Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex podcast. I am Shelly and joined with me today, um, as you would expect, Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how are you doing? I am doing great. Um, I think so. We don't have anything to talk to about this week. We've talked so much, Shelly. So let's just go straight into introducing. You're not getting tired of me, are you? Into the meat. I am so, (laughs) exactly. Shelly, I'm so fucking sick of you. It's crazy, but. um, And I just love you all the more. So you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to small talk with you either. Because, you know, quite frankly, we've got someone far more interesting than you. So uh, let me have the privilege (laughs) of introducing um, Chad Sowash, this is a big drum roll, host of the Chad and Cheese podcast. Welcome to the show, Chad. I'm so glad you're here. Well, th- thanks for having me. And and uh, I guess, which one of you are to blame for Nickelback? I just have to know right out of oh, the Oh, that's Serge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nickelback gets <laughs> that's a ton of bad press. Oh. And I I don't like Nickelback. Don't get me wrong. But I think Nickelback has shown success. There's, but like anything else, look, there's 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump. There's going to be a ton of people that love Nickelback that we don't know why. But in reality, they're from Alberta, where we're from. So oh. we got to support our brothers here. We got to support Nickelback. Um, I'm not uh, saying you need to listen to it, but hey, there's nothing wrong with Nickelback. Are you, so in, in that tone, Yeah. like who takes credit, like, so should we still own Justin Bieber? Uh, there's there's a lot of people that think we should basically disown and have him being an American. What's your thoughts on that? I thought he already was. No, he's Canadian. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, w- I would kick that kid to the curb as quick as I possibly could. Okay, well, then we yeah. have Michael Bublé, Bublé. We have Celine. Yeah. Like, who doesn't love Celine? I'll take you. You have Rush. I mean, near yeah, Pierre, I, growing up, growing up being, I was... A, I was a drummer and I'm using air quotes uh, just sitting back and listening to the riffs and the offbeats and those types of things. I mean, that was like my band to try to emulate and, and yeah, still, still, yeah, not even close. There you go. <laughs> and we take credit for Neil Young and mm-hmm. actually the band that I think we all take credit, but Americans have no clue what we're talking about is tragically hip, which is probably the favorite Canadian band of all time. Have you ever heard of Tragically Hip? I know Joel has, but... Yeah, I was going to say I have because Joel likes all these eclectic bands that nobody gives a shit about. Um, hence tra- Tragically Hip. Although, wasn't Bach- Bachman Turner Overdrive also Canadian? They yeah. are, yeah. Ready yeah, I mean, that was, that, that was a great band. I, well, now, you're really now, dating yourself, Chad. How old are you? I, I, my my mom and dad. Let's just say this: my mom and dad brought me up right. So I listen to older music, oh, and okay. I, I like I like the new oh, okay. stuff too. Thank God for Spotify. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, overall, <laughs> I, I like that kind of stuff. Tragically hip, yeah, not so much. Yeah. Well, well, well you we'll look so much you, younger. Chad. We'll convert you. I think. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. So, so here, quick question. Quick question. Yeah. Go. Letter Kenny or Shit's Creek. Letter Kenny. Oh, Shit's Creek. Ah, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm see, a- this is why this is why we're co-hosts because we don't <laughs> fucking agree on anything. <laughs> like honestly. Letter Kenny is, oh, come on. is a Canadian gem. People don't realize how great it is. Yeah. All right. It's as good as Trailer Park Boys, which uh have you ever heard of Trailer Park Boys? It's it's yeah. 
like pretty much a cult hit in the U.S. as well. But massive letter Kenny fan and Shelly. You just have bad taste. There's nothing wrong no, with shit. No, you know what? My, like, this is such a guy thing. Like, honestly, my boys think it's a, like, they love it, right? My sons. Yeah. And they love uh, Trailer Park Boys as well. I've tried. I have honestly tried to watch Trailer Park Boys. And I just, I don't see what's funny about that. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. I, I, it's a guy I can't thing. Do. Yeah, you I can't, gotta. It's a guy thing, maybe. I, I can't don't know. do Trailer Park Boys. I love Letterkenny, and I've probably seen Shit's Creek all the way through two or three times. My wife loves it, and I mean, I just, I love it. I mean, it's it's great acting. It's funny, yeah. but Letterkenny is just. It is. They're so they're so different, but it is so hilarious in uh in its at the terms i mean pitter patter degens i mean all these things you'd never think of uh that you're like okay i i'm starting to get some some canadian uh culture but yes and it it is pure canadian culture hockey guys really talk like the hockey guys and i still use some of the jokes like some of the lines in letter kenny is uh is one that and this we might need to cut out if i screw it up but how about a 68? I go, you go down on me and I owe you one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, let's go. <laughs> so my turn. Now I get to, I, I get Did to I kick make this you off here. There, Shelley? I'm going <laughs> to, no, well, anyways, I'll move on from there. Um, so, so Chad, um, for, for our Canadian listeners, because I think most of our listeners are talent acquisition people here in Canada, we do have some American listeners and some even across the pond. But for those who are just starting to become fans of the Chad and Cheese podcast, um, tell me how you went from just being Chad to being Chad and Cheese. Yeah, so that actually happened uh, like back in 2007 when Joel said, hey, let's try this new thing called podcasts. And uh, it was bad timing because it was really early adoption and not mm-hmm. nobody was really ready for podcasts. Not to mention uh, the army activated me back into active service. So I went back to active duty. I went out of my VP position in corporate America. What? Uh, it, yeah. And Did back into... That? Yeah, yeah. So I was, oh. I was uh, a, an infantry drill sergeant down in Georgia, and they had done that more than once. Uh, not to mention the financial crisis happened. So it was just, it was bad timing uh, overall. So it just didn't work. Then I was at uh, Ronstadt's RPO division, RSR. I left there after a couple of years after building veteran hiring programs for companies like Ford Motor Company. And coming out wow. the other side of it, I, we, I was doing consulting and Joel just started uh, ratedly. So I started bugging him saying, dude, let's put the band back together. Let's do the podcast <laughs> again. And I was listening to podcasts all the time and he wasn't. So he's like, yeah, I don't think this is a thing. So finally I got his ass off the couch and we started doing the podcast. And I mean, it's, it's, it's been amazing ever since. Um, Very humbled that we have listeners all over the world Mm -hmm. and uh, that they, they actually support and engage. That's the thing that I love the most. I, I love that people listen. I love even more that they engage us on social media and say, you know, that's total bullshit, or I love when you said this, or whatever it is. The engagement itself, negative, positive, it doesn't matter. It gets the discussion rolling. 
Did yeah. you think it was going to get as popular as it has? Like, if you take in context, you're usually two guys in the basement, maybe not in the basement, but then uh, really you're starting getting downloads, listeners. Yeah. When was that? Boom, yeah, where was the really working. Point? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, I think what we did first to, to, to answer your question is we came up with something that didn't exist in our space. We had an explicit podcast that was for HR, right? Yeah. And everybody in HR is trying to be buttoned up at the time, right? Yeah. Everybody's trying to be buttoned up. All the podcasts will put you to sleep. And I just, they're great podcasts. They had great content, but they were just boring as hell. So I said, Joel, this is the exact same kind of content that we wanted to put together in 2007. But what would happen if you met with two guys in a bar at a conference? What would they be talking about, right? And about six months in, that's when everything really just started to, um, we started to see the explosion of downloads and, and listenership. Uh, so yeah, it took about six months and then we just started seeing steady growth ever since. Wow. So where, where are you at now? Like, I mean, my guess, uh, I have no, I guess I would guess that you're like hundreds of thousands of downloads. Like you went from what to what? Yeah, are I you mean, guys number one right now in your space? I would think so. They have to be. You have yeah, to. you would have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so today, it really depends because obviously, you know, holidays and whatnot month to month, but you're, you're, you're looking anywhere from 50 to 65 plus thousand, you know, downloads per month. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so, I mean, it's, it, it's really crazy. interesting. Yeah, going from hundreds, which is, you know, yeah. that was big for us. It's like, yes, we got over a hundred for... And then now we have over 600 episodes that are out and about half of the listenership that we get or the downloads that we get mm -hmm. are on back catalog. So people are actually finding things from, uh, you know, earlier this year, or yeah. last year, the year before, and they're digging into that content and they're binging us, which is really cool. Wow. That is very cool. And I can see why, because there's, I've, there's some times that I honestly have listened to the episode twice as well. It's just no, like, stop it. You're making no, really. Blush. It's so funny. Fuck. I'm just like, <laughs> thank God that you can just be your authentic self because you're right. Yeah. There is nothing to me. Um, a very wise person told me, not, don't ever trust somebody who won't swear, who won't curse, right? Yeah. Don't. Like, they're, they are bottling something up, you know? And that's why HR ladies drink wine so heavily <laughs> because they never. Like they can never be themselves and you can't talk about anything, right? Because everything's fucking confidential. Well, so they well, end up, they end up with ulcers and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, heavy drinking problems. So we thought, we thought that that would be kind of like the bane to our existence would be like the, the old HR ladies wouldn't want to listen to us just because we're two guys that are saying whatever the fuck we want to say. And we went to conferences and those are the, those are the people who came up to us and said, I've been Thank thinking you. that yes. for 20 years. Thank you yeah. for saying that. Can you say it louder? Can you, you know, it, so, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's something that was embraced, not just by the, the idiot white dudes like us, but by just really um, just everyone. So that's been, that, that's been something again, very humbling. Yeah. So give me an idea of why you have credibility. Uh, I know you've uh, spent a lot of time in this space, yeah. but I don't think our listeners and maybe even your listeners, uh, not going that far back, don't know why the hell you would have credibility and you know what you're talking about. It's obvious when you're talking, but give us a little bit of an idea of why you have credibility in this space. Yeah. 
Well, first off, I and now Shelly's going to get her wish. I get to date myself. I was with I was with Monster before it was Monster. So I was actually with Online Career Center um, before TMP merged the Monster board with OCC to create uh, uh, Monster.com in January of uh, 1999. So I was I was there for all of that. Uh, I was also. Uh, I left there and I went to Direct Employers Association where I was there as a VP for 10 years and uh, led uh, a lot of the tech, uh, a lot of the the program management, uh, partnerships, sales, all the way through. So in that space, when we were actually working directly with Fortune 500 companies uh, and, and, and their agency per se, to, to an extent, uh, it, it gave us a lot of insights, not just to how they were doing business, but also the vendors, because they want us. They wanted us also involved in helping to deal with their vendors to provide consult, advice, different recommendations, and things of that nature. So I got very deep very fast. Uh, then I was the uh, chief experience officer at Recruit Military while they were going through uh, acquisition. Uh, was at Ronstad in RPO, which is an entirely different world, yeah. uh, and uh, built a, a veteran talent pipeline uh, program. Their very first program for for hiring veterans for 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 their um, their clients, and uh, popped out on the other side. And, and here we are today. But I think to answer your question more easily is is when we talk about things. In most cases, we talk about how our experience from, from before and then bringing it forward to talk about what we're seeing today. And I think that provides somewhat some credibility. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's any doubt on your credibility. It's always good for people listening that haven't listened to your podcast. Uh, first of all, if you're listening, you're listening to us, you have to listen to Chad and Cheese because you're really the inspiration behind what we're doing. So all credit to you. One of the things in your podcast that a lot of people stay away from politics, uh, you don't, uh, which I think is refreshing in so many ways. I think when we look at the world of work, and I don't think we realize how much the U.S. affects the whole world, including Canada. We're obviously right up north to you. Especially Um, Canada. And the last four years have been kind of, I don't know how to describe the last four years to tell you the truth. Shit show. It's been a shit show. I think that's probably a good description. And it's affected the world of work. Uh, Like if you think about certain legislation they put in place as far as not training government workers on diversity, which is like the biggest bullshit I've ever seen. But how do you feel when obviously um, a different administration coming in that's complete opposite, do you see anything changing in the world of work of how we're going to approach it? So obviously there's the factors of COVID, uh, Black Lives Matters, but with a new administration, there's going to be some changes of how we approach it. What's your thoughts, overall thoughts on that? Yeah, I think over the last four years, I mean, th- this has been just a total shit show. First, first off, in 2016, the idiot comes into office. But the beautiful thing about that is we saw women actually amplify their own voices, amplify each other's voices, right? And the Women's March was amazing. My wife was actually there in DC. And so that was one thing. Then Black Lives Matter, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, 
uh, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on about all of these individuals where their lives matter, although they're treated as lesser than, than, than ours. And I think overall as well, you've got, you find um, white guys like me getting the fuck off the bench and starting to participate and understanding that this is not a spectator sport. We don't sit around and watch people get treated like this. That is not who we are. And when we understand that and we get up and we do something about it, that's when we start to see Georgia turn blue, right? Those are the things that we see happen. But still, overall, we had 74 million people vote for that idiot, right? So we're not there yet. We're not out of the woods. Uh, I do think that Joe Biden and everybody that he has in place, you know, Kamala Harris, all the way down, as they start to demonstrate their leadership abilities, first and foremost with COVID, um, we, that will start to change, right? We'll start to see some, some different things. And when it comes to a lot of the world of work things that Trump really screwed up, um, I think they'll, those will be wiped off the board for the most part, and they'll be doing that through enforcement. I actually saw an email pop out today about the OFCCP uh, focusing on enforcement of uh, pay equity, right? So that in itself is incredibly important because before it was like, ah, you know, it's all good, but it's not, and we know it's not. Uh, We'll also be taking a look at um, wage gaps and really it's turned into a wage chasm here in the U.S. How do we fix that? You know, so I think- Go ahead. Sorry, we've been talking about wage gap actually the last two conversations. We had two guests we've had on the show, and that's something that there seems to be. Uh, everyone realizes wage gap is is an issue. No one really realizes how you can fix it. Um, and if we look at it, one of the things in Colorado, they just uh, have legislation around you have to advertise transparency. Based. Yeah, yeah, your transparency, the gap benefits. Are we going to see that in, in reality? Does it fix anything? Like, is this the solution? Transparency on wages? I, th- I think I think that is a very, I don't want to say easy, but it is the step that you need to, to take forward to show everybody your warts, right? And I mean, that's what the U.S. has done over the last four years. Instead of sitting around beating our, ch- our chest, we have shown everybody our warts. I mean, we really have. Now what we have to do, now all the states have to do, what we have to do is we have to focus on how do we fix that? Instead of playing the political um, spin game, transparency is key, not just from the standpoint of pay, but also workforce composition. In Fortune 500, 8%, again, 8% of the Fortune 500 have CEOs that are female. Zero of those females are black, Mm -hmm. right? We have no people, I mean, so so overall, 50% of the population is female, yet 8% is 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 female right on the ceo side of the house um that's i think that's the tip of the iceberg and if we use that as an indicator of what we need to change composition and also pay uh we we can make those changes hell we put a man on the moon in 1969 yeah but yet we can't fix this you gotta be fucking kidding me yeah you know i think it is uh it it is certainly a big challenge and a big task um and but I think with enough, like there's so many uh, forerunners or people that are out there showing us how to do it. 
you know, in terms of companies that really do want to get it right. Yeah. That, and so I think they will be, I think, as we heard often, um, they'll be rewarded. They yeah. will like it. And, and I have to believe that because believing the opposite is, is kind of a dismal world to live in because although, you know, yes, we're across the border. Um, we still, I mean, I'm always watching what's happening in the U.S. because I know it, it will eventually trickle up to us. And so one of the things that I've always watched is HR tech mm-hmm. um, because I know that whatever's happening in the U.S., we will see it probably in about two years from now. So that gives me a good runway, you know, if I'm going to start with, um, you know, looking at what trends are happening here in Canada. Because, you know, quite frankly, one of the things I know um, – Serge and I have often arm wrestled on is programmatic and whether the Canadian market will ever adopt it. I I just, I I mean, I, I know like it's, you know, there's, this isn't rocket science, right? Programmatic, for example, um, because it's been, it's been done for 20 years in the traditional marketing sense. Um, But I just don't know if our market is big enough to warrant it, quite honestly, that we have enough big employers, not like in the U S um, where you need to hire like 50,000 people <laughs> for, you know, or 5,000 people. Like there's just not enough of that. So, you know, when you, um, one of the things that I know I love listening to your show about is when you guys talk about new HR tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been times where, I, you know, I really wanted to pick up the Twitter and say, what are you thinking? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's going to go anywhere. Um, and I do want to also mention, thank you for the Canadian shout out when you guys were talking on your last show about, um, who's getting, who's investing in HR tech and Canada didn't even make it like (laughs) nowhere to be seen. Um, so, you know, when you look at HR tech and automation, what are you most excited about? Like, what do you see coming as like, yeah, it's about time. Like, this is super cool. Yeah, I think. The last year has has mm-hmm. shown us what we've needed to do the past the past decade, right? And I think that's really that's really fast forwarded us through in understanding that we have to do a better job treating people humanely. And the way that we do that is we do it through scaling better using robot process automation. So RPA uh, using, you know, some of these, some of these platforms. Um, But the way that we use them is to give our people time back so that they can be human with the candidates, right? The problem that we have now is that there's so much minutia that has to be done by an individual that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing that could easily be picked up by RPA or any type of platform. So I'm most excited about the opportunity to scale and knowing that if companies aren't planning to scale soon, because when the, the, when the hiring switches flipped back to, to, to hire, hire everybody and hire now, if they are not ready, they are going to be out on the sidewalk. They have to be ready to scale. And the only way that we can scale as human beings and do it appropriately and do it humanely is through automation. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies are not ready to scale. I think when the switch is flipped and, and we're seeing, I, I recruit like my team recruits in the tech sector and it never really went away. Um, like as far as we maybe had a March 
uncertainty, then basically yeah. April and moving forward, it got back to exactly the same scale and even more this time. But what I'm seeing with my colleagues, counterparts, um, they're, they're not, they don't have the ability to scale because they are so much, I think you mentioned minutia, but I think there's so much noise yeah. in the HR tech world that they don't know where to start. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of shit out there. There's so much shit yeah. out there. And what's your thought? Like if you were giving advice to a TA leader and automation is key RPA, where would you start? I would start in an assessment of what I already have. And for the most part, they don't know what they have. They have platforms that have been adding features and they've been adding partnerships and they've been adding all of these things. So what they do is they hear about something, they buy it and it's redundant compared to what they already have, right? So they're not assessing what they have now. They don't have a subject matter expert or a team of subject matter experts who understand the current quote unquote tech stack that they have now. And then they start layering on all this redundancy that makes no sense and it's just bad for business. So that's the first thing that I tell every company to do is reassess and then focus on experience and speed equals experience. Now I know Shelly's not a big fan of, of uh, like higher view and those types of, you know, interviews. I was just going to ask you, tell me how that fits into being humane. One way interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about video. I'm talking about one way. How is that putting human and humane back into hiring? Uh, Two things. First and foremost, speed equals experience, right? And the second one is that if I'm giving those individuals, those human beings time back, they have an opportunity to be more human with the actual candidates that that are not being touched today. So if you think about it, instead of going through six rounds of interviewing, with an organization and being ping ponged from here to there and here, that's a, that's a shitty experience. That sucks. But if I can come into a platform, everybody can get into it. They can understand what they like, what they don't like. They can rank and whatnot. It can happen much faster. And as a candidate, what do I want to know? Am I going forward or am I not going forward? And if I have more time as one of those individuals, those people who are not going forward, I can treat them more humanely by not keeping them in a black hole for longer. So I, I think overall, if you focus on the, the mechanics of the process and being able to scale better with technology, you will find more time for your human beings to actually be more human. Amen. Amen, Chad. Oh, uh, I, I think you explained that in a way that uh, I, I haven't been able to get Shelly through. So finally, she might listen to someone else when it comes to one-way video interviewing. Let me get your thoughts on programmatic in itself. So programmatic has been in the consumer marketing world for 25 years. Yeah. Uh, recruitment has been really in the past five years, if you look at AppCast, really making the biggest inroads, obviously being acquired in 2019. Um, US is, is pretty much mass adoption from what I'm getting. Canada, we are having difficulties in mass adoption. I think we're getting ripped off by so many of these job boards. I won't say the name, but I think we can all agree on who that is. And as far as, I think the value behind programmatic is not exactly always scalability. I think it's also, even if you have five to 10 jobs, I think there's many benefits to programmatic and maximizing the budget you use. But why do you think we suck at programmatic in Canada? And is, 
Am I right that we feel in the U.S. that there's pretty much mass adoption, especially with the larger companies when it comes to programmatic job advertisement? I, I think before COVID, we were about 50-50. And you've got to remember that there are going to be some of these segments, like, like uh, Shelley had actually said, that it just doesn't make monetary sense to go to performance-based. Uh, so there's going to be that, right? And that's just a decision that that uh, that a job board's going to have to make. But I think programmatic overall is something, no question, we should have adopted 10 years ago. Now, it is harder than marketing programmatic because uh, we suck at job descriptions. And that is the base piece of data that we go off of. Thank you. So it's like, so we have these shitty job descriptions with all of these requirements that don't make any sense, but yet we want to go have this technology target the right people. How does that work? Right? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the biggest obstacles that we've had in this industry for every single bit of tech that we want to be able to, to, to utilize uh, is that the base data that we're using is just shit. So we've actually had to have vendors work around that because mm -hmm. companies are too fucking lazy to change and they're too and they don't want the right data out there for candidates. I mean, even the basic stuff like salary. Well, what am I going to get paid? Eh, none of your business, right? I, I think you make some really good points. The one aspect, and and this has always been a challenge. So resumes do suck as well. So let's put that in context and job descriptions, then you're working off really a job description. I would say 99% of job descriptions that I see out there are not good. There's that 1%. And we talk about this myself and Shelly, because Shelly is an expert in job descriptions. And I, I really do suck at it. I'm like, I don't even want to do a job description. I'll do a video job description, two minutes of the job. And then we'll go from there. But really good points. Let, let's talk about job boards. So my background is job boards. Um, Shelly has worked as an agency to job boards for quite a long time. You obviously have a background in it as well. Uh, we've seen quite a bit of movement on the job board side. And, and if we look at this year, like, I think the most interesting one for me is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter really got the shit beat out of them last year. Um, obviously, the call uh, was leaked out to the world as far as when uh, they let go of the people. But in reality, I was a little bit surprised, but in taking context to it after the fact, in reality, um, they, they've never had a focus on enterprise. Um, and last year, it really hit small business and enterprise. So let's put that in context going into this year. There's rumors of IPO. I believe they're going to get acquired, and I, I strongly believe that Recruit is going to acquire them. Uh, Shelly, I think you disagree with me, or maybe you agree. I, I forget where you stood on this. Um, I'm, I'm a big question mark. I yeah. absolutely am a big question mark because I, uh, I, I just don't know why, right? Like I was thinking, I was thinking this would be more of a nice um, tuck for like a, a Randstad. Or how do you say it? You say it Ronstadt? Or do you say bagel or bagel? Bagel or bagel? <laughs> <laughs> what do you... Ronstadt. Yes, Ronstadt? Okay. We right. call it Randstad up okay. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't see that. Like I don't see it because if you look at Ronstadt and what happened with Monster, uh, in reality, I think if they could unload Monster right now, they'd give it for almost free, but, well, but how else are you going to breathe life into it? Cause you have to admit like the zip recruiter, the front end and the whole experience 
customer experience as well is pretty great. Like they really do have, um, and they've really got, I think some markets sewn up quite nicely. So I'll shut up because I really want to hear what Chad has to say, yeah. because I think you're really the resident expert on, on these sorts of things. Yeah, Shelly, please shut up. Let's uh, <laughs> go ahead. I, I wouldn't go that far. I have, I, I have an opinion. That's about okay. it. Okay, I um, want to hear your opinion. So yeah, I think I think COVID um, unfortunately helped ZipRecruiter. And here's hmm. why. And here's why. ZipRecruiter should have gone um, enterprise five years ago, at least. Uh, they should have broadened up. They put all their eggs in one basket. And here's, here's, let me give you a great example. They did exactly what Monster did. They found out where that, where there was a revenue stream and they just kept beating it. And they didn't do the Netflix model and say, what do we have to do to actually broaden up and prospectively, you know, re rebuild ourselves, you know, a, whatever that might be, rebrand ourselves. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. COVID forced them to do this. So I think what could have happened with ZipRecruiter is they could have just continued to do just like Monster did exactly that and they would have just atrophied, right? And they would have went away. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think Recruit has seen this story before with Glassdoor. They've been, they, they had the trick played on them. Oh, let's go for valuation and IPO and then we'll put it out there in front of uh, Recruit. And Recruit bit before. And you see what's happened with Glassdoor. They've pretty much turned into a shell of an organization, much like Simply Hired had, right? So I don't know what the real value would be um, in well, itself. Similar to what they did with Workopolis is remove a competitor from the marketplace. I, I think that's where the value with Recruit is. If it's worth $3 billion. They won't pay $3 billion. I, I like... <laughs> I can't see three billion. Like I think the evaluation, if they go the IPO, is three billion is what they're looking for. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that because if you think like Indeed sold for a billion, around a billion, Glassdoor was 1. a little 2. Bit more, one point six. One point six. So if we put that in context, in reality, um, I think they would be paying the same. I think they'd be paying one point five two billion for Zip recruiters, which. Is that a big deal to remove a company like in their biggest market in the U.S. to remove Zip? Is it worth it for them two billion? Depends I think if they feel. I mean, I don't know that they feel Zip is is really that big of a deal right now. I mean, from an enterprise standpoint, that's going to be where the big dollars come from. All the transactional stuff they're going to get. I mean, they're just going to get. They're doing all the advertising, all the the, the search engine yeah. optimization, yada yada yada. Right. Um, I think where. I think where Indeed is really falling down is that, you know, they could be ZipRecruiter pretty quickly. And if you see their new marketing, um, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, post a job and we will return candidates from our database to you uh, right out of the gate. Now, that's somewhat of what ZipRecruiter does. But what ZipRecruiter does is they get them to apply. So these individuals that Zip is they are providing are interested, right? The ones that Indeed are providing are just from the database. Big deal. Indeed could flip that switch, I think, fairly simply and turn it into a zip model, right? So I don't know why they would, why would they want to buy something that they could pretty much have and then pretty much bulldoze them under? Yeah, I I think you have some good points. The other context to it as well, if we look at if we look at ZipRecruiter, um, and, and Indeed, I think a lot of TA professionals are looking for alternatives to Indeed as well. Oh, and this yeah. is where ZipRecruiter is very attractive because everyone I talk to 
is kind of in bed with Indeed and they feel they have no choice to get the volume of candidates they're looking for anyways in Canada. And a lot of people are looking at the ZipRecruiter. Unfortunately, ZipRecruiter, and this is, is very anecdotal, is it's not delivering results here in Canada right now at all. So they're stuck to going back. So it's their value for to Indeed kind of keep that brand separate, not what they're doing with Glassdoor and, and really seeing as a competitor because most people don't know. Like if you ask 90%, like we know, but the reality of a talent acquisition professional, they have no clue until Indeed tells them that they bought Glassdoor. And this could be exactly the same. Like they're creating that alternative that keeps spending in their own backyard by having ZipRecruiter under their umbrella. Yeah, I think, I don't think ZipRecruiter really is the competition that Indeed's looking at or what yeah. where they should be looking. I think they should be looking at programmatic because the problem with Indeed is Indeed sent you sends you a shitload of candidates that don't even come close to qualifying, right? Or programmatic. And again, this depends because Shelly, I understand where you're coming from. Some programmatic platforms are just, it's just, again, it's just a different way to to, to spray and pray. There are great yeah. systems that are out there that are very targeted, that give great responses and, 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 good, and great performance. I think that is where Indeed wants to go, which is one of the reasons why they bought ClickIQ, but they just haven't, they haven't executed on it. So I think programmatic, they've, they've shown their cards. They want to go to programmatic. They were going to buy uh, AppCast. That deal fell through. So they went to number two, which was, you know, uh, who, who they bought. Yeah. Yep. Click IQ now indeed IQ. Um, but I, but I just, we haven't seen them do anything with it. The big question is, you know, what, what are our friends in Germany going to do with AppCast? You know, yeah. what are, what are their, what are their designs on uh, coming to the U S? So yeah. Before we ju- can I just ask one chat? Because yeah. for those of us here in Canada, like we are still trying to get our, our head around programmatic do you have someone that you really like in that space? Like the ones that are really good because you're right. Like the, the um, job descriptions, um, I just want to blow most of them up, but anyways, because that's, that's your bait, right? If you don't have good bait, what do you expect to catch? But is there a vendor that, that you think is doing this really well right now? Not that you're going to, I don't know if you get commission or not. Yeah. I mean, we, who do you have? Yeah. I'm, we have sponsors. Let's just say that. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get any referral fees. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. I mean, so there, there are the big names like the Jovios, Panda Logic, Recruitix. Um, and then you have matching slash programmatic platforms like Recruitology. I think what you need to do, and this is one of the things that we don't do enough in our space is we need to go out and we need to pilot those systems. Some of them are going to be incredibly really good in, in the nursing segment and suck in tech and then vice versa. Right? So you need to be able to go in and actually have one or two things happen. Have somebody advise you on who you should be talking to and then start doing pilots. Uh, But don't just sit back and be afraid of this space, dive in, spend a little money here and there and try to figure this out. That's how we move forward. That's how we evolve. And we also have to remember that we're dealing with AI and machine learning in many cases. Now, right out of the gate, AI machine learning is like a baby. 
Now it, it grows faster and it learns faster, but that's where it starts. So when you get into it on day one, it's not going to be, you know, that you magic. It. Yeah. yeah. It's got, you've got to teach it what you need and what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that point. Yes. And they're Critical really point. shocked when you're, when you're like, what? I got to do what? Like, how is, how is this any better? Because we want the Amazon effect. We want to be able to um, click this and here's three other suggestions, right? Yeah. Rather than you've got to put the work into it because, you know, if you really want quality back out, you've got to put quality in, right? Yeah. You yeah. absolutely but have to. So Amazon didn't happen overnight though. I mean, no. that took a while for them to actually build an algorithm, not to mention all the different signals that they took to be able to yeah. know exactly what you were looking for. Yes, Exactly. Completely agree. I'm getting you on the side of programmatic there, Shelly. You're slowly buying in. Uh, one of the things... Chad to win me over. Yeah, trying to win. So if we look, one that I've been following really closely because first of all, they're Canadian. Secondly, we got tons of workopolis people, my peeps that I worked a long time with that yeah. ended up at Nuvo and now talent.com. What do you foresee for talent.com? Do you, are you excited by them? Do you think they're, they can make a dent in the market? Oh yeah. I mean, so you've got them, then you've got Adzuna, you've got some of those, those are, you know, that are fighting kind of like for second place. Um, but there's, there's a big gap between first place indeed and second place, right? So there's a lot of ground to gain, which is awesome for them. I mean, they, there's nothing but great up for them. I think for, for any of those organizations, they really have to focus on, uh, the different markets that they want to jump into and focus on getting those markets right, as opposed to trying to jump into a ton of markets and get them all right at once. Right. I think that's, that's the big key for any organization like a talent.com. I mean, th they do have amazing people that are over there. Uh, a good friend who was uh, at career builder, career builder for a very long time is there uh, in leadership. And so they've got great people. Um, Adzuna, I know, does a, a really good job uh, in the UK and they've been pushing toward uh, North America. So, I mean, it's, I, I, I have big upside on both of those, both of those uh, brands. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when they renamed from Nuvo to talent.com made a lot of sense. Nuvo, most people, I, I called it, I think, Nuvo, I, I, I butchered it so many times. So when yeah. it came to talent.com, it made a lot of sense in that way. And, and actually, I don't know if Nuvo is a French, like I'm French first language and they were born in Quebec initially. I don't know if it derived from a French term, but... Anyways, it is what it is. I, I think they're going to do really well. I think there's a place in the market when we talk about alternatives to Indeed. We're all looking for alternatives to Indeed, not because we don't think Indeed can deliver, but uh, putting all your eggs in one basket in this space is, is a recipe for disaster for sure. And they're uh, assholes. Yeah, and plus, <laughs> I worked there for a while, but yeah, I completely, I will agree on some of the... Let's talk about one of the things that's been interesting the last year, especially with COVID. It seems that everyone has become a recruitment influencer uh, in some ways uh, or has tried to be a recruitment influencer. And if you look at it, you guys are the OG uh, when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to your podcast, but also all the events and everything that you guys do. Because 
I used to love listening to when you guys were on the road. I thought those conversations were always good. The sound quality was not as good, but obviously you're in a bar and you're, you're talking. I think it brings some, uh, a different perspective and I think it's just in a different environment. But looking into this year uh, and going, moving forward, are we going to have events in person again? Uh, I think vendors want events in person because it definitely drives it. But are people actually going to attend them? Like, I can't see myself getting on a plane anytime in the near future and, and going and speaking at an event. But what's your thoughts there? Where are we heading with that? I think as soon as somebody gets a shot there on a plane because they're sick and tired of being home. Uh, I know I am. I mean, it, I'm waiting yeah, yeah. for the shot. Get, show me the list. Where do I need to go? I'll triple, quadruple mask up. Just give me the shot. I, I think as human beings, um, this is a great way to 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 work and to be able to connect. It's it's very cost effective, but we also need that that human connection. Uh, and and conferences will be able to provide that. I think we have also found that webinars suck. They've always sucked, but now we know that they suck even more than ever. We have an opportunity to understand that online events should not try to emulate in real life events. It should be more of a Netflix type of a scenario where it's premium content. And I should be able to go there on demand after, let's say for instance, they have an agenda, they drop the content as it comes, but I should be able to go back in later and on demand consume that content. We need to start thinking differently as an industry and start to really redesign our thought process of engagement and, tr- and stop trying to fit you know, round pegs into square holes. Amen, brother. Holy shit. Guys, so I'm going to put you on a poster. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to put, put you on the spot something else. So you've listened to our podcast. Yeah. You guys are by far the best at doing it. Where do me and Shelly need to improve? You shouldn't have guys like Cheeseman on. I mean, I guarantee you, he <laughs> he just killed your listenership right out of the gate. Uh, oh, no, no, but he's seriously, so cute. <laughs> he is. He's like a little baby rabbit. Um yeah, I think from from your guys' standpoint, you just need to do what we did right out of the gate and just keep doing what you're doing. Feel, think, um, continue to talk to each other, what feels right in the conversation, have fun with it, but also what really helped us and what has sucked over the last year is not being able to have those, those in-person conversations. Yeah. So I have forced those with people who engage uh, with uh, with me on on social media to be able to see why do you listen, uh, what else should we do, what what turns you off, what turns you on. It might not change how we do the show, but I want to hear that feedback. I think that from our standpoint, quick 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 story. Joel and I were going to do kind of like what we call a PG thirteen podcast, and in PG thirteen you get one f bomb, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. So we were always racing to that who got the first F bomb, right? Because that was pretty much going to be it. Uh, then we went to then we went to uh, 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 an event, and we had plenty of people say we listen to you because we feel like you're authentic. And I was like, okay, so why do you feel like we're authentic? Well, because you cuss. And I was like, okay, the gloves are off. We're going to be who we are. 
We're going to be authentic. I don't care if it's 20 F-bombs in a show. We're going to say what we want to say, how we want to say it. But it took us, it took us a few months to actually understand and learn that, even though we really wanted that. So we just now it's just we do what we want, how we want. And if you guys are, continue to do it. If there's more that you want to do, find out what it is. Thank you. Yeah, I think the one of the things that you said is you doing it full time is is definitely um, has helped you tremendously just getting everything aligned. But where so let's talk about where so obviously Chad and Cheese podcast show finding on every major podcatcher. Where else can they get a hold of you, um, Chad? How do you want people to engage? With you. Yeah, on wherever they feel, wherever they feel comfortable, social. So I mean, you know, we have a we have a, a Facebook page, um, definitely uh, on LinkedIn, on okay. Twitter. So generally, wherever they feel comfortable in engaging with us, I do. I, I love TikTok. I don't make any, but I watch them all the time. So if somebody has a good TikTok, send it to us because uh, we've seen some of those too for hiring and recruiting. So we're starting, again, just starting to enjoy engagement wherever we can get it. Okay. So just one last thing. I, I know we usually close the show here, but I'm dying to hear this. Um, you know, the, the absolute kill TikTok mandate coming from the former administration because of uh, TikTok did that. They took over the event and nobody showed up. So yeah. it was like, revenge you shall die so do you believe with the new administration tiktok will now flourish yeah i don't know if they'll flourish there are still issues with tiktok with regard to signal liquidity with insecurity right so those are always things that the american administration will take a look at but it's not going to be a vengeful type of scenario we're actually going to with this administration look at data and the prospect of it of it being a problem in our society. Cool. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for weighing in on that. So Chad, it's been an absolute delight. I could just talk to you all afternoon and I am so grateful. Is uh, Serge making you stop? You no. no. <laughs> Serge. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get back to work. He's got a regular J O B. No, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And um, thank you for the show. I just, I look forward to every release. Um, this is what, it's what I do on Fridays now. So well, thank excellent. you so much. You should come on sometime since Serge doesn't mind whether he, you know, listens or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Giddy up. I'm Giddy on. Giddy up, exactly. Yes, if you ever need a stand-in because, uh, you know, maybe Joel's busy, you know. Yeah. Or vacation. Well, the last time uh, you had Lauren from uh, a great Australian podcast be a co-host. So yeah. I'm gonna, I think you need female perspective more often. So I think Shelly's your co-host next time you need someone. Yeah, you can, you can have Joel. I'll kick Joel to the Canadian curb and I'll okay. bring Shelly over. I love that. Right. Okay. I, I think Joel would be amazing. So No, thank you, awesome. Chad. Uh, for everyone listening, definitely check out Chad and Cheese podcast available on all major podcatchers. They're amazing. If you're listening to us, you need to listen to them. Thanks a lot, Chad. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. 
This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.